And welcome to Council 4 Unplugged. I'm Larry Dorman of Council 4. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We have a special show today. We're going to be talking to two union members who are running for the Connecticut General Assembly. So I'm honored to have as our first guest, Caitlin Clarkson Pereira. Caitlin works at Southern Connecticut State University, and she's running for state representative in Fairfield. So welcome, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, thank you for being here. I know your life is, uh, I imagine your life is pretty hectic right now. Uh, just a little bit, yes. <laughs> um, tell us what you do at Southern Connecticut State University. So here at Southern, I work in the School of Education and in the office that we call the Office of Educational Services. And our main responsibilities are to place students in their student teaching placements and in their field experience placements, which are requirements for uh, teacher certification in the state of Connecticut. So we have a very large school of education here, and so we have a lot of students, meaning we have to work with a lot of district partners to make sure that those students all have meaningful experiences uh, in a K-12 classroom before they graduate. And then hopefully they are ready to rock and roll when they're certified to be the best teachers at that they can be. That sounds fascinating. And how many years have you been at Southern? Uh, it's been three years. Three years. Mm-hmm. And uh, Caitlin is a member of AFSCME Local 2836, and this is one of our affiliated unions that represents uh, higher education, non-teaching or administrative faculty throughout the state university system and the Board of Regents. And uh, proud of the work you do. And, and members like Caitlin um, really touch students in a number of critical ways and, and, and help prepare young people for futures and futures that largely uh, a lot of the kids you're dealing with uh, you're helping end up staying and working and paying taxes and raising families in Connecticut. Absolutely. We and the certification process you have to apply for certification obviously through paperwork and various forms that need to be signed off on and checked off by certain people here and then at the State Department and while you can ask to how to fill out applications for other states. The truth is a majority of our students are absolutely, they want to be certified in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And so if that's what their profession is going to be and they know that they need to hold the certification, if that's the only place that they are submitting that paperwork, that means that they're intending to stay here, at least for now. So Caitlin, tell me what prompted you to think about running for the Connecticut General Assembly. I think it's wonderful to have everyday working people um, seeking higher office, so I want to commend you for that. Um, but what, what prompted the decision? So shortly after the 2016 election, as a mom to, my daughter wasn't even two yet, uh, I really started paying attention to women in politics. And I had never taken a deep dive into how many women actually had seats at all levels of government in our country. And you could tell it's quite quite a few um, percentage points lower than the men that we have. So I decided I couldn't sit around and necessarily wait for somebody to create the type of state uh, that I would want my daughter to grow up in and her peers to grow up in and future generations to grow up in and that it was time you know to get up and get moving and figure out how to get involved in that process on my own and it wasn't always it wasn't easy right walking into a democratic town committee and becoming a member and becoming a mem- member of the executive board and then you know the discussion comes up if you're a feasible candidate or not, all of that happened rather quickly. 
but to know now that I'm here in this role, I have been, I filed my paperwork in December and I've been out knocking doors since early in the spring. So I've had a lot of voter contact and every day is certainly a learning experience. I can only imagine. And uh, I should say, Caitlin is running in the 132nd House District, um, which I believe is entirely the town of Fairfield or most of the town of Fairfield. It's Fairfield along the beach area and then some more of like the center part of Fairfield and then the village of Southport. Right. And I'm, I'm so proud of you. I do follow you, you, your campaign on Facebook and a lot of uh, posts of you and uh, your family, your young daughter um, on the campaign trail. So I do imagine it's grueling and, and I commend you for wanting to, to exercise your voice and, and have a voice in this process because I know it's not easy. It's, it's definitely not easy, but for me, it's never really been about just my voice. It's about everybody else's voice. My master's degree is in counseling, and so when that's what you decide to go back to school for after your undergrad, you obviously are taught how to listen and reflectively listen. And I think our, politi- our politicians have done a really good job of learning how to talk and not the best job of learning how to listen. And if you are going to be a representative and represent your constituents, you not only you know, need to be present for a conversation, but you really need to process and hear what, what people are saying and why they're saying it to you and take that into account when it comes time for you to vote. And imagine you're, you're having some productive and interesting conversations out on the campaign trail. Yes, absolutely. And they have changed a lot over the past six months as things have changed at the state level and at the federal level, which keeps me on my toes, right? Because whatever happens in a given week may be the hot topic at the doors, or it may just be the more general questions uh, that are the overarching themes, like the budget or education. Um, but such as the Supreme Court nominee, that was something I started getting questions about. Uh, it's flattering to think that folks I'm knocking on doors for, you know, they think that maybe I have a, a direct impact to that nomination. And um, But I, I don't, but can be in a position if elected to hold those in higher office accountable and to call them out when they make decisions that a majority of Americans say this is not what right. I want. And I'm glad you brought up the Supreme Court because I'll digress for a second, but it, it does connect to your uh, aspirations as, as a, a candidate for, for elected office. And uh, we we like when we're talking with our own union members about the importance of uh, getting out and voting and of holding legislators accountable for their treatment of, of, of working families. Um, there is no better example of, the, of how consequential elections are than the Supreme Court. Uh, President Trump was able to nominate Neil Gorsuch. Uh, that enabled or facilitated the Janus versus AFSCME Supreme Court case that mm-hmm. is uh, funded by uh, these kind of ultra-wealthy, ultra-extreme in corporate special interests that um, the intent of the case is to take uh, rights and freedoms away from workers. Uh, uh, Mr. Kavanaugh, I have to say, has a a similarly alarming record in decisions that he's made uh, that affect workers. So uh, it's a a great example that you brought up. And and yes, you can have an impact um, by shaping the dialogue. And people need to remember that it is elected officials, um, in this case the president, who appoint these judges. Right, and that's it's the appointment piece and the confirmation piece that 
we, I don't think people took into calculate, they didn't calculate as much of, of it when it came time um, to vote I, in November of 16. You know, I'm not necessarily saying that people would have changed their vote, but to know that if you have a president and there are certain things that may sort of roll backwards instead of forwards, maybe those can be cleaned up in future terms, but these are life appointments. Right. And so to look at somebody and say, okay, this person could be here for three decades making um, the like, final, absolute final decisions on rights and values that we hold dear. Right. Uh, it's, it's so critical to always have that in your perspective. And elections matter. Elections absolutely do matter. Which is, is why you're putting it on the line and, and working so hard around the clock. Uh, I saw that a couple months ago, I believe the Connecticut AFL-CIO, the Labor Federation, that's the voice of more than 200,000 workers in Connecticut, uh, endorsed your candidacy. Mm -hmm. And I wanted you to reflect a little bit on uh, what that meant to you and what you think the importance of unions are to the economy and, and to the middle class. Right. So in my professional career, I have worked at jobs that have been both unionized and that were not. And ironically, the time I needed the union the most was when I was pregnant and having a baby. And that was one of the times I wasn't covered under a union. And so while, it, while all that was uh, unraveling, I wasn't appreciating the process very much. But now looking back and understanding how I was treated, how decisions were made, how communication was was passed around. There are there were a million different points along the way where there there would have been a point to say, okay, I need somebody from the union to come in and help help me with this, especially given the fact that I had just had a baby, um, and that's a lot <laughs> to, to have to worry about, especially when you're going to go back to work. So, and I've seen people here at Southern, at previous state universities that I've worked at, call on the union in various times, you know, when they've been doing two, two and a half people's jobs for years and years, and say that, you know, finally say, I don't think this is fair for me to be doing all this and not be compensated properly for it. Uh, and then also as a woman, knowing that the salary, all the salaries that I've been offered along the way would not have ever been what they would have been without the union folks sitting around the table and negotiating for me. Great. And um, again, just absolutely thrilled that you're running for office. I think it's it's commendable. Um, we want to see union members running. We want to see working people uh, be at the General Assembly because that's a voice, quite frankly, that's missing um, from the debate. So. Uh, you, I know you've got a lot of work ahead of you. It's only July. Uh, election is, is yes. in November. Uh, yes, um, 112 days. Not that not anybody's that, counting. <laughs> right. Not that you're counting. Um, no. But uh, you, you seem energetic every time I talk to you. And again, follow your your campaign on Facebook. You're you're genuinely excited, and um, it, it's it's good to see. Yes, I'm excited. I am a little bit tired just because of the amount of time I've been going for, and. It was a natural assumption from folks that I would step away from my job here at Southern while I was a candidate just because of time, right? You need to be out knocking doors and making phone calls and fundraising. And that's just not feasible if I like to pay the mortgage and keep the lights right. on. So, right. so I am working as 
a working at, in, at Southern and then I'm a mom to a preschooler and then trying to do as much campaign work as possible around those hours and on the weekends. So uh, I, since I filed in December, I, you know, I think I'm almost two thirds of the way through. So, so I'll make it, Good. but it definitely is, it's an uphill battle, but it is something that I am determined to prove to women, working women, and especially moms, that running for office is something that we can do. Caitlin, I want to thank you for your time. I know you're extremely busy, and we'll catch you on the campaign trail. Sounds good. Thank you. And we're back on Council 4 Unplugged. This is Larry Dorman at Council 4, and our next guest is Tony Gennaro. Tony is a Middletown police officer, a member of AFSCME Local 1361, and like our previous guest, Caitlin, Caitlin Clarkson Pereira, excuse me, he is running for the Connecticut General Assembly. So, Tony, thanks for, so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, tell us a little about yourself, uh, your background, and, and what it is you're running for. Um, I was uh, grew up in Middletown, uh, lived there my entire life, um, became a police officer here as an auxiliary back in 1999 and uh, later uh, a couple years later a police officer um, worked patrol well, worked in an evidence unit um, worked in administration uh, so a police explorer advisor bike unit member uh, used to walk the beat in the north end for many years uh, a bike unit officer as well um, the past five years, I was a school resource officer at Middleton High School, which I absolutely loved. It was probably the best uh, uh, position I held in that department. Um, currently assigned to special investigations, which was uh, used to be called the Youth Bureau, uh, which just deals with juvenile crimes and uh, child cases. Uh, we work closely with DCF and, and other agencies when it comes to that. Uh, enjoy it very much. So currently I'm assigned there working as a detective investigating cases that involve juveniles or abuse cases and assaults type stuff. Well, thank you for your service, first of all. <laughs> and I should tell listeners, Tony is a Republican, and he is uh, running in the Republican primary uh, for the 100th uh, House District in Connecticut, which covers Middletown. Uh, not all of Middletown. Half. It's, it's split. Mm-hmm. There's the 100 and the 33rd. Right. And so you, uh, the 100th represent, is. are there other towns in the 100th district? No, just Middletown. Just, just Middletown. And so I know you, you have a primary, uh, and that's coming up on August 14th. And uh, the purpose of this show, is, uh, as we've said earlier, is to highlight union members who are running for elected office. So we're very proud of you uh, we need we feel like we need to have more people more working class more middle class folks uh, up at the general assembly advocating for working families and i know that's important to you as well given your your background as a as a public servant in law enforcement and, and just growing up in middletown you know so what made you want to run for the general assembly for state rep basically everything you just said <laughs> honestly that those those things that i think that we need um, someone up there that understands uh, what's going on with those families and, and how their thinking is and what they want to plan for their future and their families. Um, I think a lot of things sometimes get done up there um, with the right intentions, but they don't see how to implement those things correctly so that they actually work. Um, and I think we can do a lot better. I, you know, I don't... We have a lot of high taxes here. Um, we should be able to um, be doing exactly what we're doing, if not more. 
Uh, every time they want to do something else, it feels like our tax should just go up. Um, you know, we, sh we should be able to do... If families today, nowadays, like myself, we try to do so much more with less, and government should be doing the same exact thing. It's, uh, I think it's gotten a lot of control, and that's why a lot of people are leaving the state. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was a former union president, and I think it was during that time that I got to build a lot of uh, good rapport with a lot of working with a lot of other um, politicians in the city, um, some who have also ran for these positions as well, and uh, I was. Uh, you know, I, I was trying to get in actually uh, to, to the Democratic Party, uh, Republic, um, the Democratic uh, Town Committee, a few years back. I wanted to get more involved in there, and I, I know some good friends of mine who are also on that town committee. Um, it didn't seem to work out. Um, some people left that party and became Republican town committee members, and they asked me, you know, hey, there was an opening. Would you like to get in? So I switched to Republican and got in just so that I can start being involved in, in the process. Um, I've always been the kind of person that uh, doesn't like to just sit back and criticize and, and complain. I, I think if, you, if you're in that kind of position and you have some feelings about how you could do things better, then you should at least try to, to get in. Um, this was a big decision for me because I have three kids and, and my wife, and it's, we have very busy um, schedules, myself as, as a police officer, my wife as a teacher. So... Um, and I remember sitting down with my wife saying, hey, you know, I got this opportunity to run for state rep, and I know that, you know, it's take a lot away. And my wife, knowing me, said, hey, I know that if you don't give it a shot, you're going to regret it. So she was supportive, and my kids were really supportive, and uh, I decided to run. Um, I know, like, ask me, being a union member, you don't see too many um, Republican, uh, you know, get endorsed by unions or supported by unions, but... Uh, I'm, I'm pretty proud of the fact that uh, I am a union member. I think the unions do a lot of good, um, and I, I think we can uh, make things happen. I'm, I'm glad that I'm um, a person that's being uh, you know, supported by unions, and I hope to do right by them. Um, I wouldn't want to, to hurt working you know, families out there that are, are struggling nowadays right. you know, and fighting right. for their rights. Tony, you know, it's interesting as you just talked uh, at length about um, being, you are a union member, of course, being part of ASME Local 1361, representing the Milltown Police. Uh, you understand the value and the importance uh, that unions have to, to Connecticut's economy? Absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of hardworking, you know, middle class workers out there that are, are here with their families and are involved in so much like like myself you know my kids with sports and baseball and soccer my daughter does some dance and uh you try to do so much for your kids and you want to be able to afford to do those things and and give them a better life uh like my parents my my dad was a worked in a factory was a was a union member um in the 80s and he actually got involved in the union back then as a, a steward and doing different things and i remember being a kid and, and hearing those issues and you know just hearing in the background as a, as a young kid you know and unions helping to make better working conditions in the factory um, it's good to have that communication with management because sometimes they can become a little detached um, you know a lot of people like myself sometimes say hey you know these they don't know what's going on out here and I think if you have a good union and a good rapport with, with your management that you can actually go in and talk and say hey this is what's going on this is what we need to to do better 
it really helps management as well. Right. Unions help management as well if, if you can get a good report. And we, you know, we like to say too that what, what we stand for is that we are standing up and fighting for people's pay, uh, their retirement, their health care, uh, and a little piece, a small piece, hopefully uh, a decent piece of, of the American dream. And uh, everybody should have that. Everybody should have a decent wage. Everybody should have a voice at work. Everybody yeah. should be able to retire with some dignity. Um, that's what we stand for. And I know you and, and your, your fellow brothers and sisters at the police union have stood up for that in Middletown, recognizing that it, it benefits everyone. Right. And it's, it's not always all about the money. It's always about the working conditions and having the proper exactly. safety equipment and, and the proper backing. And sometimes, you know, it's it's not seen at, at three in the morning, the issues that happen. Exactly. So you need to have those those issues brought forward and, and, and talked about. Um, I personally don't know any union members who are, you know, quote, rich. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're, make, they're, they're making, right. they're working hard and they're making decent pay. You know, there's, um, there's always talk about, oh, well, they have this and that. Well, it kind of depends on what happens with the economy. So, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, people say, oh, the pensions are so good. Well, a lot of the pensions were created because they were more on the safer side. If they were funded properly, um, it was better. Exactly. Uh, you know, other investments could sometimes cannot work out. And, uh, you know, those 401ks, and, you, and I, I try to, I do, and friends of mine have 401ks as well. But it's, those are something that really has to be, you know, monitored very closely because you don't know what could happen with the, with the economy. Right. So tell me, uh, the primary is, is less than a month away, and you have a challenging job as a, as a police officer, and you have a family, so your, your days must be pretty hectic, I imagine. Uh, yeah, I got to tell you, it, it is, but I uh, keep a pretty tight schedule. Uh, the primary is August 14th here in Middletown for the Republicans to, uh, to come out and vote. Um, we're doing a great job of getting that word out. Uh, but the schedule is pretty, you know, my, my day is pretty much uh, summer now is a little bit different. Um, but uh, we're all very active. My, my kids play uh, soccer and baseball, and my daughter does some dance on the side. And he also plays, my son, my oldest son, Michael, plays the saxophone. Um, my wife being a full-time uh, uh, teacher, she, she just became an assistant principal a couple of years ago. Um, so she's doing that now, so her days are even longer. Mm. Um, it is a very tight schedule. I, I say our days start about 6 a.m. Mm. and end about... Um, 11 to midnight for me anyway. Yeah. The kids get to bed, but I'm still up sometimes doing doing right, work, uh, right. especially now. But uh, it's something that I, um, I've done before. Uh, when I was, before I became a police officer, and I was looking to become a police officer and become an auxiliary officer, I worked in a family business, actually. So I have some actually some some business experience as well. I did that for a while. My uncle owns a, a jewelry repair store and sells and repairs jewelry. So I remember back then wanting to become a police officer and going to college. And what I would do is I would I would work um, basically in the morning from like eight to five at my uncle's store. I would leave, and then I, I used to work security at Bob's stores in Middletown when I was back on Main Street. I would leave there around uh, 10 30, sometimes midnight, depending if it was um, the holidays. We'd work later, and then I would meet with a friend of mine who was a police officer and work the midnight shift with him as an auxiliary officer. And uh, Try to set up where I can get some sleep the next day, but it was. I mean, so I, used to, I remember at certain times working 120 hours a week, I mean, wow. non stop. So, yeah. um, so you're used to hard work. Yeah, I, no, nothing ever gets done with the hard work without doing hard work. So it's, it's just the way I was raised and brought up, and um, I'm proud of that. And uh, I'm looking. You know, that's that's what I hope to do is really outwork everybody. 
Well, listen, what to tell, tell listeners where uh, if you have a campaign website where they can learn more about you, if they want to help or volunteer, um, where can people go? So I don't have a website up yet, but we do have our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. At, um, so if you look up Tony Gennaro for state representative uh, for the 100th district, it'll pop up and we're out there. Um, I'm leaving a lot of uh, messages every day and updates, uh, tons of information out there. Uh, right now, we actually, um, last night, looking for some more volunteers to help us go out and get the word out and knocking on some doors and talking with people. We also put up a, uh, a questionnaire where you can go on there, leave a comment, ask me questions. Um, Good. Whatever your opinions are about things, see where I stand on them. Yeah. And we're, we're getting get more stuff out there as, as soon as we can. Um, ton of volunteers. We had a, uh, a fundraiser, and we exceeded the, the mark on that financially. Um, we exceeded the number of donors that we needed. Good. Uh, we, had to, we, had, we had to shut it down because it was still coming yeah. in. We're like, no, no, stop, because the state's just going to take your money now. <laughs> so right. so right. that's what I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, well, we're very proud of you at AFSCME. Um, again, I, I think that uh, having more union run, members run for the office in the Connecticut General Assembly or wherever, um, at your local town council or board of education, it's important to bring that perspective. So we commend you, we thank you, and we look forward to seeing it out on the campaign trail. And we know uh, August 14th is coming, and we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you, Larry. I really appreciate you talking to me today. And thanks for being on the podcast. As always, thanks for listening to our Council 4 Unplugged podcast. You can find us on all major social platforms by searching for Council 4 AFSCME. Our website is council4.org. My name's Larry Dorman, and you've been Unplugged.